Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for that you've preserved your words so we could read them and study them. And God, I just pray that this morning, whatever we are supposed to understand from your word, that you would make that clear. God, we just thank you that we have what you said, and we continue to seek you to lead us and guide us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I remember, I don't exactly know which year it was. I was probably 10 or 11. And I had just gotten this BMX bike. Saved a lot of money, bought the bike. And because it was such a nice bike, there was this idea that came, I don't know where it came, but it must have come from me. I had a nice BMX bike. I knew where a nice BMX course was a few miles away. And I knew they had these competitions and races. They had these, you know, the, the whole, you know, jump and everything. And I thought, man, if I could just be a BMXer, I could, I, I didn't really think through it all exactly what, but I was like, I have the bike. The next thing I need is the helmet. So I convinced my parents to take me to a, a BMX store, kind of like a Dick's Sporting Goods, but I don't remember what it was then. But we went, and there was a few helmets. They were all pretty expensive. But I had saved money. And so I went to this red BMX helmet, and I saw it, and I chose it. This is my helmet. This is what's going to bring me. This is, it's not going to save the world. <laughs> but it's, gonna, it's, it's my helmet. This is the next step in my BMX career, the start of dirt bike racing. And I was so excited about this precious $52 helmet. That's a lot of money for a 10-year-old. I don't know if I'd let my... 11-year-old do that. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Uh, but I chose it. And it was very valuable to me. That even, I mean, long story short, I, I didn't get into BMXing. <laughs> I, maybe you were like, oh, maybe he did. I don't know. Like, there's some things about my past you probably should know, but BMXing isn't it. <laughs> uh, but it was hard for me to let go of that chosen and precious $52 red BMX helmet. I don't remember what year I got rid of it, but it was, I, I listed it in the garage sale, I think, for $25, and of course no one bought it. But I was like, I've never really used it, and I spent $52 on it. I was, I was very excited about this possibility. And as, today as we look at 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to be getting in where Peter... The Apostle Peter is writing to the churches. He's writing to Christians who are scattered around. And these Christians are looking for hope. They need hope. They need to put their hope into something. And they know about Jesus. But Peter wants them to put their hope fully into Jesus Christ. And so as we get into 1 Peter today, uh, I encourage you to, to open your Bibles. And I'll just remind us that we've been looking at this, this series called Hope is Here. And while today the topic isn't so much about hope, it is still the topic of really this letter, is that Peter is writing so that we as believers, even now, 
have hope in Jesus. Because hope is here. Hope is here and hope is alive in the form of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're looking at today. And last couple weeks we've, we've talked about in the first part of 1 Peter how when you are in Christ, you rejoice today for a living hope forever. It says in, in 1 Peter 3, or 1, 3 about how we have living hope. And that living hope is in Jesus. And so we can rejoice today because we have hope, but we can rejoice forever because we have eternal hope. And that's what really Peter is talking about. Is our hope is not just, well, I'm hoping for something, but we can be secure in our hope because it is in Jesus, it is eternal. And hope is, what we said is, that it's a confident expectation. The hope in Jesus we have is that we can be confident that it's going to happen. We don't have to wonder if it's going to happen, when we're going to have hope. And so then we looked at, last week, we looked at in the second part of, of the chapter 1 and a little bit into chapter 2, we looked at how that our living hope produces holy living. So the way that we put, where we put our faith and where we have our hope, it then brings us into the way we live. And we talked about how through our head to our, uh, our head leads to our actions. We think radically. We live differently. And then we love deeply. And that's what, what Peter is calling Christians to do. To think in a, ra- in a radical way. Something that's very different than the world. To live in a way that's very different than the world. Putting our hope and trust fully in Jesus. Being, living holy lives. And then loving each other deeply. Not just loving a little bit. Not just loving because we, have a, because it's, we probably should or because there's a feeling, but no, because it's a choice that we have. The choice we have and it's a choice that Jesus has too, to love us. So today, our main idea in, in this section of 1 Peter chapter 2 is that when you view Jesus as precious, your life reflects Him. If Jesus is precious to you, your life is going to look like it. it. Your life is going to reflect Jesus. Now, I don't know how many of you guys watched Lord of the Rings, like the, the original series back a while ago, or read it, but there was this guy, and he would say, my precious. And he was always talking about the ring, this ring that had power. It was so precious to him. I was never like that with my red helmet. Just so you know. I didn't call it precious, but it was valuable to me. And today we're going to see how the value, what value do we have in Christ? What value do we have? What, what do we think of Jesus? Do we think of him as the chosen one and as precious? And does our life live that way? And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, we just saw in last week, in verse 3, it says that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So that's kind of the context here. We, we know that the Lord is good, so now how do we live that way? So in verse 4, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, it says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans and chosen by God and precious to him. Pause there. I know it's not much. But just at the start of this, 
Peter's saying a lot of things. He's first of all saying, as you come to Christ, as you come in relationship to Him, it's not just that you wait for Jesus to respond, but we have to come to Jesus in our relationship with, if, with the Lord. It's, we're, it's we come to Him into His presence. We come to Him the way we worship. The, we come to Him through His Word. We come to Him through the day. So when we come to Him, now he says, he, he refers to Jesus not as Jesus Christ here. In this translation, it says the living stone. Now that might be a little bit odd to me and you. Why would Jesus, why would Peter call Jesus a living stone and, and some translations say the cornerstone? In fact, later on when, when Peter references some Old Testament scripture, he, he talks about the cornerstone. So why is he calling Jesus the cornerstone? We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But notice what, what God does. God the Father says here that even though Jesus was rejected by humans, and by the way, almost all humans at that time had rejected Jesus. I mean, the, the majority of people that knew about Jesus said, no, he's too good to be true. There's, he was teaching wrong. He's dead. All these things. Most people did not believe that Jesus was the true God. And I feel like we're kind of there now again. Where most people don't believe in Jesus. Or maybe they think he was just a good guy or he had some good sayings comparable to somebody else like the Dalai Lama or somebody else. I don't know. But he's not. He is the living stone. He is alive forever. And Jesus is not comparable to anybody else. But many people... Then, many people now reject Jesus. They reject Him as Lord. But notice what it says here about God. God the Father, He chose the Son. He chose Him, and the Son is precious to Him. So, Jesus Christ is the chosen one. Many places in the Old Testament, they're talking about the chosen one, the one that's going to redeem Israel, the one that's going to save Israel the chosen one, the anointed one. That is Jesus. And Jesus was chosen for this task by his Father. And guess what? It says that God views Jesus not just as chosen, but as precious. Now, maybe some of you might think, well, what's the big deal? He's precious. Of course he's precious. It's his, it's his son. Aren't, aren't, you, aren't all your kids precious to you? Well, most of the time, maybe. <laughs> right? Not every minute. <laughs> but, but God views His Son, Jesus, as precious. He sees Him as not just chosen. Here's the task I have for you to do. He, Jesus could have said, no, I'm not going to do that. Jesus obeyed the Father. And so Jesus was chosen and He was precious. And that's our first point today. Is the Father's view of His Son is, pre- is chosen and precious. So chosen and precious, we're going to see this a lot today, but it's the Father, God the Father's view of Jesus, of His Son. And I think that's important for us to understand that Jesus is viewed upon by the Father as not just chosen to do a task, but as precious. And precious doesn't just mean it's like a nice looking thing. It means you put value in it, in Him, right? If something is precious to you, you protect that thing. You don't want to sell it at a garage sale. 
if it's precious, right? Sorry, I keep mentioning my BMX bike. Helmet, I mean, the helmet, yes. It is no longer with us, by the way. I don't know where it is. But the, the Father sees Jesus as chosen and precious. And that's really important for us to start with today because that's the view that we as believers are to have too. If we believe that Jesus is chosen and precious, our life is going to reflect that. So let's see here how Peter continues in verse 5. He says, so just talking about how Jesus is the living one, rejected and, and chosen, or rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious in Him. Verse 5, you also. Now who, who is he writing to? You, who's the you? All right, the church. The, the believers. People that trust in Jesus. He's saying you also, like living stones, are being built into the spiritual house into be a priestly, sorry, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then he, he, taught, he brings in some scripture, two from Isaiah and one from Psalm. And the first one he says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, The one who puts their trust in him will never be put to shame. But now, verse 7, but to now, now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, this stone, the, the, the builders rejected, has become the cornerstone. And the stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. And they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Okay, so here we see that, that God is wanting us. I, I mean, Peter says, you also, you people of God, are also living stones. Okay, keep, so keep this in mind. Jesus, the cornerstone. Jesus, the one that's alive. Jesus, the one that we need to put our trust in. Our foundation, the plumb line, everything. We need, he's the one. But God is also, Peter, through Peter, is saying that you all are, now not capital letters like, like Jesus, but like Jesus as we are living stones. We are being built up. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, they had to have a place called the tabernacle and then later the temple. And that was the place where they came in and they could worship God there. And now we don't have those things. We have church buildings. We have churches together. We have people. And we don't have to, have to go into... You don't have to come here to pray. You can pray. You should actually, hopefully, if you're a believer of Jesus, you should be praying everywhere. right? Don't come here as the only place that you can pray. Sure, come here during the week you want to pray but find places in your life that are quiet or not quiet wherever you are and and talk to the living god the cornerstone but peter here is is referencing this this priesthood that these people that trust in jesus are are bringing uh, they're like priests and they are bringing their, what does it say, their, their sacrifices, 
They're, bringing, they're offering their spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus. That's what the priests would do in the Old Testament. The people would bring their sacrifices and the priest would perform the sacrifice. But now we have access to God in a way that they didn't in the Old Testament because of Jesus Christ. And so we can bring our sacrifices. What are our sacrifices, maybe you ask? What are, how are we offering spiritual sacrifices? Well, it says that we're supposed to bring, an, bring a sacrifice of praise when we come before Jesus. We offer whatever we don't want. Not, sorry. We offer whatever we have, even if we don't want to, we offer it to Jesus. Even if we don't want to praise, even if we don't want to sing, there's joy in the house of the Lord, even if we don't want to come before Him, we do it. That's what our offering. We offer spiritual offering. It's a, it's a mindset. We talked about that last week. That we have to have our, we have to get our head in the game. We have to have our mind ready. So, we, are, we have Jesus is chosen and precious, and that's God's view. But here, in the second point, we're going to see that it is the believer's view of Jesus, the cornerstone. Jesus, if, if we trust in Jesus, and we, we will view Jesus not just as the chosen one that came to save me, but we're going to value Jesus as precious, right? It should not be any... It should, my, the BMX bike helmet should not even compare to the value that I have in, in Jesus. Not just because of salvation, but because of a relationship with Jesus. That's what I should want all the time. And I think that's what Peter is trying to say. That we, when we believe that Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the one that the builders, even though it says the builders rejected, now he's become the cornerstone. The, the, the one place that needs to be a firm foundation, the one place that everything else in the building needs to use as a guide, that needs to be a solid rock. That needs to be a firm place. That, needs, that is Jesus. And if our life is based on other foundations, if it's based on other things, it's not going to work. When Jesus, when we believe that Jesus is chosen and when he is precious, we are going to live in a different way, aren't we? And so how do we view Jesus? Do we view him as chosen? Do we view him as precious? As the only truth that we can look to? It's not the world's truth but we look at the truth of Jesus. We look at the living stone, the solid rock, who Jesus is, and that's where we stand. On the cornerstone, we just sang about that. That's where our hope is. Our hope is fully in Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 7 that we trust, it says, to, to you who believe. Maybe, maybe some of us don't really believe it, or we don't really live that way. We don't really believe that Jesus is really the stone that's precious. He says, to you who believe, this stone is precious. To people that value Jesus Christ as precious, as valuable, as the only thing that we can trust and put our hope in. To those that believe, 
But there's others that don't believe. And it says in verse 7 and 8 that there, there's people that when they don't believe, they disobey. And they fall and they stumble. Why? Because they're not guided by the truth. They've rejected the truth. They've rejected the cornerstone. And we all know many people in our circles that have rejected the cornerstone. And they still go around thinking that it's okay the way they're living because they're, they're going to be alright. In the end, it's all going to be fine. But their hope is not in Jesus. And so, it's sad because they stumble and fall. It's sad, it's sad because they reject Jesus. And it, they didn't, it says in, in verse 8, they stumble, they stumble because they disobey the message. They disobey the message. They disobey that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. They disobey that Jesus is the only hope that we have. And they look for hope in other places. And I pray that that is not any of us here. But if it is, it's not too late. We can put our trust in Jesus Christ alone. Let Him be our cornerstone. Let Him be the truth that guides us. Let Him value Him as the chosen one, but also as precious. And let's look and see what what Peter says about, about the people of God, how God views them when they choose to believe that Jesus is not just chosen, but He's also precious. Verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, so that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. I feel like that's a verse we should just like read every day. And I'm not, I'm not just joking around. I mean, you can memorize. This is kind of the verse we, we chose as the memory verse this week. But this is a verse right here. How do we view ourselves? Do we view ourselves as God's chosen people? Do we view ourselves as a, as a royal priesthood? A holy nation? God's special possession? Do we see that the church of God is being built and is being built up as a special possession to God. He gets excited thinking about his people. Now, there's some there's some a little bit of controversy in the in what different people believe about the word chosen. Are are we chosen? Yes, we are. But do we have free will? Yes, we do. Okay? The the thing is the way that some Christians view that, we, we kind of, how does that work? It's hard for that to understand fully, but, but I'll just, this is what I said to my wife at breakfast this morning. I said, I knew that I wanted to marry her. I, I wanted to marry her. And I chose to offer to marry her. She didn't have to say yes. She didn't. She did. That was her free will that she chose to say yes and chose to, to join that relationship with me. And I think that's similar to the way this is. The Bible, the Bible says lots of places that God chose us, that He predestined us. But He didn't force us to choose Him. 
We have a choice. In Ephesians chapter 1, it talks a lot about this. And in Ephesians 1, verses 4 to 6, it says, For He, talking about God, chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be a holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He, that's God again, predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and His will to the praise of His glorious grace that He has freely given us in the one He loves. So, God predestined us. He gave us, or He, he knew that we are going to choose, those that would choose. So we are chosen. We are a holy people. We are God's special possession. Do you ever, do you ever have, just have some kind of, I mean, maybe you've had your BMX moment, helmet, Maybe you haven't, I don't know, but have you ever like, just been really excited about something and it's just really special to you and, it's, and you're just excited about it? I think I would have been really excited about it if I would have actually got into BMXing and, and the, the helmet, you know. I, but it would have been like, pretty cool to wear it and stuff. But we all have something that's a special possession to us. Well, I think you do. Maybe you don't. A lot, it was actually hard for me to think of something like that. So maybe you have a special possession, maybe you don't, but Jesus is, when, when Jesus sees us, when God the Father sees us, He sees us as His special possession. Remember, throughout the whole Old Testament, God is, was choosing the Israelites. He was choosing this, this people to be living holy and blameless in His sight, and they continually rejected God. They continually worshipped other idols, or other gods. And so, finally, finally, God was, God had, a, God showed us that it wasn't about being a Jew or an Israelite, but it's being about adopted into Jesus Christ, being adopted into His family through receiving Jesus Christ as the Son of God as your Lord and Savior, understanding and believing who Jesus is. Having a relationship and putting our trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. And so our third point today is that chosen and precious is the Father's view of His children. He, he looks at us as this, this special possession that's precious to Him. He is so excited to have you in his family. If you've accepted, if you've accepted Jesus, then we are family. And we are God's children. We've been adopted, it says in, in Ephesians. We are adopted into his, his family. And what's our purpose? Our purpose, in verse 8, I'm sorry, in verse 9, it says, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, so God views his chosen people as precious. And our, and our response, what we do, is that we declare the praises of him. We declare the praises of Jesus Christ, the one who brought us 
from darkness into his wonderful, in a wonderful light. Do we do that? Do we declare the praises? I mean, we, we gather together on Sundays, but do we do that through the week? Are we declaring the praises of Jesus? Are we declaring Him as good? We have said it in verse 3 that we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Also in, in Psalms it says that. But we, we, we've seen and experienced Jesus as precious. Jesus is, is, is the one that we can cling to. When Jesus told a parable, He said that the person, when they find a treasure, they want to own it. They want to keep it. And so they go and sell, the, they go and sell everything they have so they can buy that field where they, they found the treasure. And so, they can, so that's the main thing they have. That, that's the thing they cherish. That's the thing they want is the treasure. If all we had was Jesus Christ, would you be happy? If the only thing in your life was your foundation, the cornerstone, would you have joy? Think about Job. Everything, everything was taken from him. All his family, or all his kids, but all his wealth, his possessions. He had boils all over his body. And Job, not once, was upset. He still had he still trusted in God. I don't know, that's, that's tough to think about. Would, would that be you? Would that be me? If everything was taken away from me, would I still have joy in my relationship with God? Do I still have my hope in Him? And I think what Peter is trying to say is, if you don't have joy in Jesus when you have stuff, you're not going to have joy in Jesus when you don't have stuff. Because joy in Jesus is the only, having Jesus is the only thing that we can have our hope in. That's the only thing that's going to last. What's eternal? Jesus and people. Right? Everything else is going to vanish. Everything else is going to be gone. What, what, what can we count on? We can count on trusting God and we can count on people. Well, not always count on people. But we know that people are eternal. And so that's what we need to be focusing on is Jesus and people. That's why Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others like yourself. Right? Those things. Focusing on where is your treasure. It's in Jesus. And then we want others to put their treasure in Jesus as well. Let's see how this, this, ends, this, this section ends in 1 Peter. Uh, verse 11 and 12 say this, Dear friends, I urge you. Peter is saying, please, please, don't take this for granted. He says, you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires, which, war, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives that among pagans, that even though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Peter is saying, if, if God is precious to you, 
if Jesus is precious, He's given us a Holy Spirit. Let's walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Let's listen to the Holy Spirit. Let's abstain from sinful desires. How do we do those things? It talks about it a lot in, in Galatians. Abstaining from sinful desires and walking with the Spirit of God. He's given us a Spirit. Remember, this, this, is also, this passage is about that we are a holy priesthood. That we are a temple that's being built up. We aren't building the temple, but God is building up this temple, this, this place of dwelling where He is. And where is He? He is where His Spirit is. In us. Those that trust Jesus. And so let's, as foreigners and exiles, as people that, that don't view this home, this earthly home as home, as people that are putting their hope and trust in Jesus, it's Peter saying, Get, don't have anything to do with these sinful desires. These sinful desires, even though they're, they're tough and they, they, they're tempting, these things, they wage war against you. So have nothing to do with them. Get rid of them. Okay, Peter, easier said than done, right? Have nothing to do with them. Yeah, it's easy just to say that. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, one greater than I is coming. He wants His Spirit to guide our lives. We have to, if we want the Holy Spirit to guide our lives, there's no like three-step formula to do it. It just, is, it just means we're in a relationship with Jesus and we trust Him. And we ask the Spirit to guide us. And the more that we say no to the sinful desires through the power of the Spirit, the more that we are going to be closer to Jesus. The more that we are going to understand more of His eternal perspective, more of His heart, and we are going to walk more fully and closely with Jesus. So Peter is saying, get rid of those things. Have nothing to do with those things. And then his plea is that when you live this way, even when the people around you, even when your neighbors say, this guy's a crazy guy because he trusts Jesus. This guy, this guy is so old school. He believes that there's no evolution. This guy is so weird that he believes in a guy that was uh, he believes in a god that was killed on the cross when people are against you when they call call you names when they are persecuting you whether however that is peter says that on when they see the good deeds that you do when they see the way that you live when they see that you have deep love for each other when you when someone hits you on your cheek, you don't hit them back, but you turn the cheek. When you do things like that, when you show that your love is in Jesus and your hope is in Jesus, it brings God glory. It brings God glory. And isn't that what we want? We want to bring God glory. We don't want to bring ourselves glory. And so we bring God glory. And God is, sees us as precious as chosen, as a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And when he sees us this way, we bring glory to God 
because of the way we live that's so different. And our fourth point today is that the believer's identity and response in the Spirit. What is chosen and precious is the way that we live, the way that we view ourselves, the way that we put our identity not in a church, but in Jesus Christ. We put our identity in Jesus alone. And that's going to affect the way we live and how we respond. I read this week that it said our, our identity in Jesus is central to who we are. Are we a child of God, like we sang earlier? Do we view ourselves as, as chosen and precious before God? Do we view Jesus as chosen and precious? Do we live in a way that the most important thing is Jesus. And then we respond with letting the Holy Spirit guide us. Letting the Holy Spirit be who tells us the truth. The truth of the cornerstone that's going to guide us. The cornerstone is that, that foundation or that, that on the corner. And you, you put the plumb line, you put the, the lines, sorry Dwayne, you put the lines in and everything guides that. So, are we letting the Holy Spirit guide us to Jesus Christ, the cornerstone? Are we walking in step with the Spirit and listening to Him and trusting what He wants us to do, not just what we want to do or feel comfortable doing? So chosen and precious is what the Father views Jesus the Son. Chosen and precious is what the believer's view of Jesus the cornerstone hopefully is. It should be. Chosen and precious is the view of Jesus, or sorry, view of God's children. And chosen and precious is also the believers, the what we put our identity in, and the way we respond in accordance to the Holy Spirit. How is my identity formed in Jesus, my cornerstone? Maybe that's something to think about this week. How is my identity in Christ formed the way that I live? Our main idea today is that when you view Jesus as precious, that your life is going to reflect him. When we view Jesus as the ultimate value, the, the one thing we can count on, the one thing we can put our hope in, and our life is going to show it. And people are going to glorify the Father come to, in the coming to Jesus. You know, in a, in a few moments, we're going to have the opportunity to celebrate communion. And that's something we do together for people that put, have put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ. It's an opportunity that we can remember His atoning sacrifice the sacrifice that he paid for our sins. And we're going to, before that, we're going to sing a song, we're going to hear a song called I Desire Jesus. And, and my desire 
for this song called I Desire Jesus, is that we would just, I just invite you as we hear this response, I invite you to, to prepare your heart for communion, coming together as the Lord's people, coming together to celebrate Jesus' sacrifice. And I invite you to use this time to prepare your heart and to to reflect on who Jesus is, what he has done for you and for me. So let's pray and then we'll hear this song. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are the cornerstone. Thank you that you are the truth. Lord, I pray that we would view you the way that the Father views you, as chosen and precious. Thank you, Jesus, for choosing to go to the cross, for choosing to obey the Father. Lord, I pray that we would, we would live as a royal priesthood, we would live as a, a chosen and a special nation, a special people. We would live in a way that brings you honor and glory. So Lord, we just pray that you would guide us. We pray that we would be open to your spirit, whatever your spirit is telling us, even right now or the rest of this day. We pray that we would desire you. Pray this in your name. Amen.